sit down as a celebration of Steven Spielberg's 1975 adventure thriller classic, Jaws. Um, eventually, I'm going to get into some of the story structure analysis, story beats, act breakdown, and all that, but also wanted to um, first start with some technical stuff, some techniques, some fun stuff that Spielberg does in here. In terms of uh, story motifs, there's not a ton of visuals and sounds that we use uh, for the as motifs for storytelling. So No Country for Old Men, we're talking about boots, and The Graduate, we're talking about water. Uh, here, the soundtrack, which we'll touch on, is a huge part of this in terms of audio motifs. Um, but I feel like a lot of the power of this movie is really just in a powerful, tight, well-done story. Good characters, good dialogue, and um, it's well-directed, basically. So for me, when I compare it to, when I look at it and compare it to other movies, I don't see as many visual motifs is the point I'm trying to get at there. Some of the technical stuff, though, um, just straight up, this is very specific, but there is a great one -er in here uh, in the earlier stages of Act Two, uh, the billboard argument. And that is just a great example. You, you really, I'm not going to break it down with words here, but it'd be a good thing to search out and take a, a few looks at. Um, in terms of how do you block a scene out? How do you keep us engaged with just a little bit of movement and um, good acting, delivering solid dialogue? And that is uh, just a great moment there between uh, the mayor, Vaughn, and uh, Hooper and uh, Brody. So that's one thing, just the uh, Spielberg's ability and his openness to using oneers. Some of the other stuff that just jumps out to me, on the beach, Brody keeping his eyes open for a potential shark attack. Uh, Spielberg using what I would call wipe cuts, and there's probably a more solid uh, terminology there. But as, um, as somebody or something crosses the screen, we make our cut there, and it's, it's pretty unsettling. It jolts us. It's, it's a great way to put us in the mindset of Brody. Same thing. Uh, the Hitchcock stretch or the Scorsese stretch that Spielberg uses on the beach when um, Brody observes a shark attack. Uh, great way to put us into his uh, mindset. The technical thing here we want to think about, the monster POV, the killer POV. Uh, a lot of people will point out that this was kind of something Spielberg had to do or adjusted into because a lot of the shark shots uh, that they were hoping for didn't work as as well in reality. So the monster point of view, the underwater camera as the eyes of the shark tool that we use here is great. And a lot of people would also say that that has an influence on later uh, uh, thriller or uh, scary type films. Kind of similar to this is the low camera on the water. It's not a point of view of the shark, but in a lot of these scenes where we have people swimming out and about in the area, um, the camera is right there on the surface of the water and the water splashing up into view. It really puts us into the scene. Subconsciously, we might be worried about our toes getting bit off if there's a shark in the water and that's where the camera's positioned. If we were 10 feet above looking down, it would really separate us. So that's something that is interesting to me. And then as we mentioned, the soundtrack. So the soundtrack here is, is huge, um, a fun, you know, it, one of the most famous movie soundtracks, film tr soundtracks out there. A great one. And a fun little note there is you can catch a glimpse of it 
uh, as uh, in Close Encounters when the giant uh, alien ship comes in at the end. There's a moment there where they kind of nod to it. But obviously the Jaws soundtrack is huge and important. And to me, that's the number one, maybe the number one motif and the number one audio motif. Uh, potentially debatable. Anyway, so those are some of the technical things or the, or the tools that jumped out at me. There's a lot of other stuff in here. You could really go so deep on this film. It's a blast. It's really well done. Um, story structure-wise, so, and I'm even going to, let's see, pull this up so I can look at the minutes. 124 uh, in terms of a runtime, putting the midpoint around 62 minutes. <laughs> putting uh, the end of act one potentially around 31 minutes. So how do we launch the film? We have an opening death where we don't see the monster. We introduce Brody, some important things on Brody, story note wise, he's an outsider. Uh, this is really important because you want to amp up the conflict. If this guy is an Islander, if he's from the island, then when he displays his authority, when he tells the people what to do, he has a better shot of them listening to him. If you're an outsider, if you're not from there and you try to tell them what to do, that's more difficult. There's more conflict there. Uh, so that great little story point. On top of this, he doesn't like the water. So this is a guy that's coming into this uh, community dealing with water all around, dealing with a monster in the water. And this guy uh, doesn't like water. So again, we're boosting the conflict there, which is just a great thing to do from the start. Um, let's see here. We shut down the beaches after finding what we think is a shark attack victim. We talk to the mayor about it. He does not like this. This gets us into in around 13 minutes. We have a second death. The town has a meeting. We uh, try to do a reward for catching the shark. So all the people run out to try to get the reward and catch the shark in all sorts of makeshift, non-professional ways. We see Hooper arrive, our specialist, our marine specialist, our shark specialist, played by Richard Dreyfus. Uh, around 32 minutes in, he says this was not a boating accident, this death on this person, this opening death. This was um, a shark attack. So this kind of launches it for us that we believe officially, we've all admitted officially within the small leadership group that this is most likely a shark attack, we might have a monster movie on our hands. So the question that we launched there is, can we stop this monster? Is the monster gonna to continue to terrorize us and can we shut the uh, shut it off? Can we shut down the monster? Can we destroy the monster? To amp up what's at stake here, this is the tourist season. This is the summer beach season. It's a big deal for the community and for the whole island. They do not wanna shut down because they will lose their money for the year. So another great story point there. Um, it's not out of season when this happens. It's right in the middle of uh, summer season. We point out that this is the wrong shark in Act 2. We have some wine. We go down to the docks. We go out in the water at night. We then have, this brings us to about 50 minutes, the billboard argument that we mentioned earlier. 
uh, is around this point where the mayor doesn't want to hear it. He's in denial. He doesn't want to shut the city down. Uh, he thinks that uh, the danger is not as big as it is. Tourists pour in to the community and we come up to 4th of July. This scene gets us to about 64 minutes, which crosses us over the at least mathematical 62 minute midpoint. And in terms of what happens in the story, we also cross over the point of no return. So this is a great midpoint when you're looking at your first culmination, when you're looking at the point of no return, when you're looking at, you know, an example of a film where the story shifts at the midpoint. On the 4th of July, there is a shark attack in front of everybody. It is very clear that we have a monster, that the monster has not been captured, and that it's going to continue to terrorize the community. So that's a big deal. The midpoint, 4th of July, death. Everybody, basically the goal of the film and up until that point has been figuring out if this is a shark and if it is a monster, a monster shark, there you go and then convincing the town to act accordingly. That has been the real conflict. Once the midpoint hits us and nobody can, nobody needs to be convinced anymore, the story changes. And when you, you could almost glimpse at a, any screenshot, almost, in the first half and the second half of this film and be able to identify which part of the film you're in. So a better way to say that is the second half of this movie is completely different from the first half in terms of location, setting, the visuals of it. The first half of this movie is Brody on the island with his small family trying to deal with the politics of a monster. The second half of the film is three men on a boat trying to kill the monster. So it's, there's a great moment there too when we finally set off, um, we say goodbye to Ellen, Brody's wife, and we set sail through the jaws um, visually out into the ocean. So second half of the, of the film is really just these three characters, Brody, Hooper, Quint, going for it. Um, the conflict here obviously is don't die by the hand of Jaws. But there is also within the three characters, we have a uh, social conflict. Basically, Hooper and Quint don't get along. They fight a lot. And this helps, again, boost, boost the conflict, which in general is better for the story. So if these three guys all agreed on everything, if they all got along great, that might not be as good as these guys going out to try to solve something, but having some issues between them where they're bickering or fighting or disagreeing. This conflict is resolved basically at the end of Act 2. So there is one of the greatest speeches, greatest monologues in film history at this point. It's one of the best parts of the whole film. At the end of Act 2, the three guys are on the boat at night, they've eaten, they've been drinking, they're singing, they're talking, they're sharing stories about how they got certain scars. And this is where we see Hooper and Quint let down their guard and be friends, kind of for the first time in the film. And it's a great visual moment, it's a great scene that then leads us into the monologue we just mentioned, where Quint talks about how 
he was on the ship that delivered the A-bombs. And the ship sank and the people were in the water and um, many of them, while they were waiting, were picked off by sharks. It's a very dramatic, very intense, great monologue and it broadens the story in a huge way. It takes us, really adaptation comes to mind, uh, Charlie Kaufman, where that film opens up with this beginning of time um, or this film um, doesn't open with this, it doesn't open, but uh, as the screenwriter is brainstorming, he's talking about opening his film with the beginning of time. So it's not just one guy trying to figure out a story, it's the beginning of time all the way up until this one guy tr trying to figure out a story, it changes it. And in the same way here in Jaws, not to try to get us, not to get us too far off of Jaws, but here in Jaws, coming back to it, it's not just a movie about a community trying to maintain its income for the summer and trying to stay alive and three guys trying to kill a shark on a boat. It's a story of all that all the way back to the delivery of the A-bomb in the war. So it just deepens and thickens the whole context in a huge way. And that scene, that's a great moment because as those two guys come closer together and resolve their conflict, and we do it visually, I mean, obviously it's a, the dialogue's a huge part of it, but that when you look at that scene at the end of Act 2, as they're sharing and showing their scars, they're, becoming, they're coming closer and closer together. They're uh, overlapping uh, physically. They're, they're, they're leaning and laying over each other to show their scars. They're talking even about uh, a broken heart at one point. So they're being vulnerable with each other. And as that resolves and that conflict is lifted, Jaws comes in for the final showdown. So the timing of that is no mistake. It's no coincidence. As we're relieved of one conflict or burden, uh, our other larger conflict steps up, steps into our face, amps up. And that launches us into this final showdown of this uh, of Act 3. I don't really need to go through what happens in Act 3. I mean, it's a great showdown. You should check it out. It's very physical. It's very survive. It's, it's a great visual ride. But one thing in that that we do want to observe is... And this is a spoiler. I mean, this whole thing is a spoiler. So if, I'm, if that surprises you, I, I'm, I don't know what to do about it. Um, in that final moment of Brody shooting the tank in the shark's mouth, we want to be aware of how they have planned and paid this off. So there's two times at least, and there might be more to it, but there's at least two times where, where we really tell the audience this is a possibility before it happens and that's important um the easier to observe one that that comes second actually so we're going backwards is on the boat at one point the tanks fall over and we observe and discuss how they're explosive so that's one point there we are observing these things hey just so you know these things can explode and slash but before that in the film, when we're researching the shark and Brody's flipping through the book that he's looking at, or one of the books he's looking at about sharks, there is an image of a shark 
with a tank in its mouth, very similar to how it happens at the end of the film. So two huge points there. They don't highlight it in a huge way. We're just flipping through pages, but it is there and the audience is great at observing if they are watching and that gets logged in the subconscious. It, it fits, it makes sense later on as we pay it off. So that's a great little point there. I think was done very well. The last thing I would think about is the quote, you're gonna need a bigger boat from what I understand, this was an improv quote that came from an inside joke between the crew and the cast. But you can look into that deeper and find more solid information on that if you want. Anyway, that is Jaws. It's a great film. That's Jaws, at least in terms of the things that jump out at me. There are tons of other things out there. Great analysis is to be found on this movie, of course. It is such a classic and it's done so well. I think it had a huge influence on the films that followed it, all that. So either way, 1975 adventure thriller through the lens of Spielberg, Jaws.